Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TES International Podcast with me, your host, Dan Worth. In this episode, we chat with Ian Henderson, the Deputy Head of Educational Developments and Partnerships at Wellington College, Chris Wolfe, the International Director at Wellington College International, to hear about how the school is making its partnership model with schools in China and Thailand work. From help and support on curriculum developments to creating a similar culture and ethos that fits with the Wellington brand, they discuss the challenges of getting this all right. They also discuss how they're working to help these schools launch their own version of the festival education that Wellington College is well known for, and offer practical insights on how other schools thinking of developing overseas partnerships can make it work for everyone involved. All that and lots more on the latest TES International Podcast. Chris and Ian, welcome to TES International Podcast. It's great to chat with you both. Um, I'm going to start though, just with some scene setting. I'll start with you, Ian, just to give us the insight on your role within Wellington and where are you in the country? Because usually when I ask people this question, they're somewhere in some far-flung destination and they've got 30 plus degree temperatures or snow out the window, but I'm thinking today's going to be a little bit more British. It certainly is, yeah. I'm here at Wellington College in Crowthorne in Berkshire. Uh, it's about four degrees, I should think. There may be a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, definitely a grey uh, British early spring day, but, but good to be here. So, yeah, thank you for, for having me on today. Uh, my name is Ian Henderson. I'm, I'm one of the deputy heads here at Wellington. Um, and my role is to be in charge of all about educational developments and partnerships. Uh, what that means in practice is the educational developments are the things that, that kind of make Wellington interesting. And um, uh, one of those is the Festival of Education, which many of the listeners might have uh, been to. Uh, possibly the, the, the biggest and most influential education event in Europe. Um, but then really focusing, I suppose, on the partnerships um, I, I oversee all of our domestic partnerships. We have 58 local state schools we work with uh, very closely. Um, and 85% uh, of my role now is uh, to do with our international collaborations with our international partners. So that's really the majority of my role. Um, I've been somewhat embarrassingly, I've been at Wellington, this is my 30th year, my wife and I wow. came. Um, my wife's a senior deputy head um, here, so she is now uh, in practice as well as uh, in theory, um, my line manager. Nice. So, um, uh, yeah, the the I've been here. We've been here an awful long time. So yeah. I understand what Wellington is and how it works, um, uh, which makes this job particularly interesting. Yeah. Well, being somewhere for thirty years must be a good must be a good thing about the institution and having your your wife as your line manager. I think there's a whole podcast on its own on that, but we'll leave that for another time, maybe. No, okay, right there you go. <laughs> um, Chris, and to you then, Chris, also again, what's your role and how does that fit in with, with Ian's, what Ian's just talked about there? Absolutely. So um, my name's Chris Wolf. I'm the one of the international directors at Wellington College International, uh, which is a sort of a wholly owned subsidiary to Wellington College. Uh, so I'm also based uh, in Berkshire. I'm actually working from home in North London today, but uh, I'm in the college three or four times a week. And my role really is to support and connect the existing international schools that we have in, in due course to grow the network as well. Um, but the support and the connection really is, is where Ian's role is so fundamental to what, what makes our group of schools, uh, we like to think that a little bit better than, than others doing similar things around the world, because there is that authentic connection to what happens at, at Wellington. So when one of our international schools asks for something in particular, I can go to Ian and say, well, you know, how does this work at Wellington? What's the potential for, for sharing that collaboration amongst the group? Mm. And that, uh, that way of working together has been, been really successful so far. My background is as a, a, I used to be head of a comprehensive school in North London. Uh, and I've been in the classroom for 20-something years uh, and enjoying now just working across a network of schools doing something slightly different. 
Mm. So that's really interesting. So we've got here a sort of model of, you know, the schools overseas, the connection to you, Chris, and then you link to, to Ian at Wellington College, the, the, you know, the, the sort of the head of the, head of the, the tree, if that's a good way of putting it. And obviously we know from, from the international market that, that you know, franchise models and, and name models and school groups and however you want to term it, that's all growing. You know, the Nord Anglers of this world and Cognitas, they're all growing as well. Then, then setups like this as well. So I suspect for a lot of people listening, there'll be a sense of either they're in a similar setup themselves, they might be moving into one, they may move into one in the future without knowing it. So I think it's really interesting things that we'll delve into. Uh, Chris, just to come back to you then, can you just give us a whistle-stop tour, though, of the sort of schools that you have then, uh, how many, where are they based in the world, you know, some of the sort of particularly, how long have they been up and running? Absolutely. So the, the network started, uh, started the planning of it started in 2009 uh, with the first partner we have in China. Uh, Joy Chow is our partner uh, in China. And the first school opened in Tianjin in 2011. Uh, we now have six schools uh, across China uh, in Shanghai and Hangzhou, uh, and one opened this year in Nantong. Um, in Shanghai and Hangzhou, we also have bilingual schools, uh, so schools for Chinese citizens who have local passports can go to the bilingual schools, whereas to go to the international school, you have to have a foreign passport. So we have six schools there. Uh, we also have one school in Bangkok, uh, which Ian has visited 25 times or something uh, extraordinarily impressive, uh, really knows how that school works uh, inside out. And they're, they're thriving in Bangkok. And we have a new school opening in September in Pune in India, our first school uh, in the country, uh, where a number of our team are this week, uh, just supporting them with the pre-opening of their school. So at the moment we have seven schools. Uh, the eighth school opens in Pune in September. Hmm, excellent. Okay. And Ian, obviously you said earlier uh, you've been you know, with Wellington for 30 years. So obviously you've been through this whole journey. Again, can you give us a bit of context to that? Like when, you know, how did Wellington come to move into this space? Was there a growing sense of, look, we can, we can do something here. We can spread the name. We can benefit more children with our educational ethos and focus. How did that all come to be? Yeah, so it's an interesting thought. And uh, right at the beginning there, as Chris talked about in 2009, where the first contact was made, um, Joy wasn't the first person that we'd had contact with to do with international schools. There, there had been others. But I think our governors uh, and our leadership at the time were, were quite well, well keen to explore. We're also quite conservative in their, uh, their, their, their planning. So they, they didn't want to just uh, go into partnership with the first person who came along, but they want to be really, really discerning. And I think that that approach has served us really, really well because the partners we have are absolutely outstanding. And, and you know, I, would, I would hold them up um, as exemplars of their kind really around the world. We're, we're extraordinarily lucky. Um, but part of the reason for going into it in the first place, uh, the, the head at the time, uh, Anthony Selden, who, as, as you all know, has been in the news uh, again, recently uh, taking over in such tragic circumstances at Epsom. Um, uh, Anthony's uh, vision for Wellington was to turn it from being a relatively uh, insular British public school into a genuinely global-minded institution for the, the, the world of the 21st century. Uh, and he wanted uh, a part of that to be that our students, uh, as they went through their, their five years here at Wellington in the UK, that they had connections to and, and links with other parts of the world. And, and Anthony saw particularly that China was going to be, at the, you know, at that time, 2009, that China was going to be the global superpower of the 21st century. And therefore, it was imperative that we were connected to China. So it was a real, a quite a high level strategic importance to expanding into China. Um, and we're beginning to see the, the benefits of that now, um, uh, as, as we'll, we'll explore during the course of this. 
Well, that's great. That really sets the scene geographically and historically and everything. That's great. So so let's go into the detail of how it works, because I think it's interesting that you've got you, Chris, as the sort of, sounds like a sort of a conduit between those schools and then into Ian in Wellington College in the UK. Is that a fair description? And can you give us an example of the sort of things, you know, day in, day out you're doing that makes that all work and, and you know, come together? Yeah, I, I think that is true. Uh, I think Ian also talks to the schools uh, a great deal and that authentic connection is, is, is hugely helpful and that can work across a, a whole sphere of things to do with curriculum planning, to do with safeguarding best practice, uh, to do with continuing professional development, a whole, a whole range of things that, that we, all, we all get involved in. I'd endorse that. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of direct contact with various people in the schools according to what they need and, and so on. And um, you know, Chris is working at, uh, at governor level in, in uh, some of those schools as well. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, in, in combination, we're all able to make sure that we meet the needs not only of, of, of maybe what's urgent and what's reactive, but what's proactive and, and planning ahead um, for, the, for the years to come. Yeah, I mean, can, can you can give me an example of, of something that that comes up as an you know that you've you've worked on again? Both it's interesting you talk about proactive and, and reactive. That's that I can totally understand how that happens. I mean, whether it's easy to think of one of each, but I think that'd be a nice way of sort of framing the reality of what it is a school might come for support, want support on. Um, an easy an easy example is around uh, sort of the policy work in setting up the new school in Pune. I mean, uh, Wellington College has a you know a whole suite of, of policies as as you would expect, uh, and actually being able to to go to Ian and say actually this, this is the one they're working on at the moment what what, what can we do uh, and actually just being able to to share that across uh, across that particular school and then on into the group if anyone else is reviewing uh, a policy is perhaps a boring example but uh, quite a practical and, and useful one for, for school leaders. Yeah absolutely and, and really crucial that, that they have access to not only the policies but the most up-to-date current uh, versions that are reflecting uh, best practice and current legislation in the UK. They can then adapt those according to local context, of course, but the fact that uh, our most senior leaders have direct access to the live copies of those policies um, uh, has been has been an interesting process getting that to actually work properly, given the, the segmented nature of using a different Microsoft domain in different uh, parts of the world. Um, but we we managed to make it work, and it does appear to be functioning seamlessly. At least no one's complained yet. <laughs> yeah, anything with technology in different jurisdictions, I can imagine, is a measly headache-inducing uh, thing to do. But yeah, to do that safely and and to securely as well, I think mm. is a priority for all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point because we had. This, I mean, I know it's sort of taken it to the extreme, but we had a piece recently about cyber hack on a international school, and you know, you've got to think about these things, haven't you? That you know, schools hold a lot of important data and a are big brands, you know, like yourself. So, you know, are, are at risk. And that's interesting. And the thing about the, the school in India, I'd like to come back to it shortly if we can. But um, and again, is there another sort of example from an existing school where something, I don't know, even the more sort of like day in, day out thing of like, you know, a challenge they might have, or do they come at you with things about, you know, parental engagement or, you know, what's the sort of Wellington response to this type of situation? Does that kind of stuff happen as well? Or is it, or is it always more strategic? Very, very often there are all sorts of, of, of reactive things and it could be, um, you know, what would you do in this situation or we've got this particular conflict, how, how would you resolve that? Uh, it could be there's a sudden need for a particular bit of, of professional learning, uh, some kind of training mm. or whatever that we can provide, either, either providing access to somebody here who's an expert in that area or or sometimes it's as simple as a, as a, as a 20 minute team's call to give some advice. Um, mm -hmm you know, in a particular situation. Um, 
I mean, I could go through dozens of examples of that, I guess, if I if I thought clearly enough, but not one particular one hasn't leapt to mind. If if one comes in, I think it'd be interesting to hear just just to sort of put some some meat on the bones of that, because I think that's sort of that must be interesting for those for those heads and leaders out in those schools, knowing that I suppose they've got that support they can turn to, right? Because sometimes in you just sometimes all you want is a sounding board, isn't it, or a sanity check, or a sense of it's not like it's not groundbreaking. It's just is this the right thing to do here, or we're thinking this, or this situation's come up, and the fact they can come back to the centre and, and you, Ian, or you, Chris, must be quite reassuring for them. And presumably, the balance therefore is for yourselves is not to be seen as they've got to check in with you and make sure everything's by the book, but you're there if you need them, right? Is that is that a fair like you've got to walk that line? Absolutely. I mean, we we have to grow capacity in our schools because otherwise, what we're doing here isn't scalable. So we, we you've got to. You got to as, as much as we're trying to develop ownership and autonomy and self-propulsion, self-dependence in our key staff here. We need to do exactly the same in the people that, who are leading different aspects of our schools abroad. Because um, as we, you know, the, the, as Chris mentioned, the, the next new school that's going to open is is in Pune in India uh, in September of this year. Uh, that's only um, thirteen months after the last one opened. Um, and then there are there will be others coming on stream. So we 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 have to make sure that what we're doing is scalable. Um, I mean, an example would be uh, just thinking off the top of my head. Um, as a school gets uh, beyond COVID, suddenly the possibility of using their facilities in the holidays for for letting uh, that that emerges. And for them to, you know, that wasn't necessarily in the 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 initial setup of the school it wasn't something they were considering they were just thinking about running the school in term time and, and running a really good school and suddenly you know some expertise that we have from many many years of letting the, what the facilities here at Wellington uh, in order to create some income that we can then use um, uh, almost all of which we actually use for for public benefit um, as as it happens but the school the schools abroad can then you know pick up on uh, the the experiences that we've had here so. That that wouldn't be my direct experience. I then have to access somebody who's an expert here. But. Yeah, but again, I can see how that helps for, for them to have that kind of immediate someone they can turn to rather than to go out and try and find someone. And is this person giving us good advice? To what on what basis are they giving it? They know that they've got the the, the sort of the parent school. Yeah, but 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 other stuff, you know, um, quality assuring the moderation of coursework, for example, when they're uh, an embryonic school, uh, perhaps with their first second cohort of um, of A level or IB students, having uh, subject experts here to just cast a weather eye over their moderation of their coursework. Are they doing it uh, sufficiently robustly internally? Is there have they pitched it right? That that kind of collaboration is really useful for them to to draw on. Um, Another, another example is around the, the wellbeing curriculum. Uh, I mean, Wellington was, was at the forefront of this 15 years ago. Um, and so our, our schools around the world also like to, to lead on wellbeing. And so they can do the, exactly the same thing. They've got a, 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 what looks like a great curriculum that they've developed, but actually checking back in with, with someone in, in Wellington in the UK to uh, see how it matches up with, with the wellbeing curriculum here uh, gives yeah. them a lot of confidence moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially as they as as those schools, as as Chris mentioned quite rightly, they're they're developing their own curriculum based on good principles, but it's got to fit to their context. We're not trying to transplant anything from Wellington in the UK, just you know, lock, stock, and barrel, put it somewhere else in the hope that it's going to work. Because because it's all all those contexts are different. So they'll they'll take best practice and guidelines, create their own thing, and then they'll check back in with us. Um, you know how that how that's looking uh, in in comparison. That's, that's a very common thing. 
And, and on that point about sort of checking in, again, how does that work then? Do you have a sort of regular scheduled meetings with them? Do, is it more as hoc? You know, like how do you sort of, Chris, I get that more in your role. How does that all work together? I think we both do it. Uh, I mean, for example, I know I, I check in with um, with Chris, the, the master in uh, in Bangkok uh, every two weeks. Uh, we just have a regular a regular catch up. Um, uh, slightly less frequent with our, our schools in China because they have a, a central office uh, based in Shanghai that they also they also work with. But I check in with the with the chief executive master of our schools in in China uh, again every couple of weeks. Uh, so that sort of connection is is always there. Uh, for us to just support in any way that's that's helpful. I know I know Ian does does things even more than that. Hmm. Yeah, I I have um I have a regular uh, re- recurring sequence of meetings. I have eighteen meetings every two weeks that spread across the two weeks that, that are all they're all half an hour long uh, nominally, although they can be adjusted uh, to do exactly as Chris says. You know, to, to check in is to see is to get updates on on action points from previous uh, meetings, some of which are mine, some of which are theirs. Uh, is to to uh, check in about uh, forthcoming visits. It's to um, sometimes direct them to, to the right people. Um, you know, Chris is is also heavily involved in the annual review process, where e- each of our schools has a, a formal uh, visit and a, 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 and a review every year, um, which has been slightly more problematic over the last three years, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, but nonetheless, it's been it's still happened and has been it's been really productive. So there are. There's all sorts of of, of, uh, of conversations that happen, and then there's there's regular visits. You know, we we now that travel has opened up, I'm I'm planning planning now, or I'm at least I've literally just booked about an hour ago my flight to go to to China to do a whole load of professional learning training and to speak at their Edfest there in April, and that's the first time I've been for almost three and a half years. So mm. in, that, in that time, we've had to do all of that online, um, which has been pretty challenging at times. I've had a, quite a lot of 12.30 a.m. starts to do a whole day of professional learning training for a group of teachers on the other end of a Teams call. And that's, mm. you know, that <laughs> sounds glamorous, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think everyone who, who knows that will know it's, it's it's certainly not glamorous. Yeah, but that's really interesting. So, you, so that again, that it does, we're talking about, you know, we talked about policies and, you know, letting and well-being curriculum, but then even down to you, you flying out to deliver some some sort of CPD type sort of engagement with, with teachers there. It shows that it's, there's a real breadth there, isn't there, of things here. It's not just sort of we're at the centre and we'll, we'll tell you what to do, but there's a sort of, it runs the, the spectrum of things you can help with. Absolutely. I mean, um, we we obviously, like many, uh, I'm sure almost every school group, we would aspire for our schools to be really excellent schools, to be outstanding, ideally in their cities and their region, to be the school or, or amongst the, the top couple of schools of choice. Um, but we also deeply want them to be Wellington. We want them to to reflect the way Wellington is. We want to, them to live the Wellington values, the ethos, the DNA, the culture. Um, and I've always said that I, I want people to be able to visit the schools and to go around to to observe how things are and to feel for it to feel like Wellington. I mean, even on a mufty day, even on a day when you covered up all the signs and there wasn't any obvious visual clues that, you know, they're all wearing the Wellington badge or anything like that. Mm. But just the whole, the way the school works should feel like Wellington. And that's that's a really interesting thing to develop because that, that has to be genuine. It has to be grounded. But it's also got to be um, uh, contextually appropriate. And, and each culture is different. Yeah. Each, each city is different, even within the same country. 
Yeah, that's a fascinating insight because I think it sort of strikes me as not wildly dissimilar to what multi-academy trusts trying to do a lot of times I hear about in England, you know, like trying to have that ethos through their schools, particularly if they're geographic, geographically dispersed. And obviously it's not it's not in a global context, although, you know, we know all know how different regions are in England, don't we? Like, you know, you can go two hours north and the, every, the language has changed, the way people refer to certain food items has changed. You know what I mean? Like to create a culture within a school group under a single brand is, is sort of a lovely thing to want to do. But actually getting it right is, is hard. And I suppose that's it shows, you know, going out and, and being involved actively, proactively is the way to do that. I suppose the other question that throws up, or I, I want to ask anyway, is do does this come the other way there? Like having these schools in your group, you know, what do you take learnings for them or new ways of working or an idea? And you think, you know, Chris, you hear something. Actually, that's really interesting. You know, Ian, school over here, they're doing this now. Does that work? It's a two-way street. It's not just one way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it... it so some people would look at the, the Wellington family of schools and, and see it as well. Wellington UK is here at the centre, and the and the other schools are at the ends of the spokes of the wheel. But we we want it to be completely the opposite to that. That it that is, um, it's much more of an organic network where we are we are equals. They are they are our sister schools, not not our not our offspring. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously in in practice they have been descended from us because of, of chronology, but in as the schools evolve and you know, the, the only two schools so far that have that have grown to the point of having year 13 students are Wellington uh, International Tianjin and Wellington International Shanghai. And they both feel like full schools. They feel like schools with their own identity. They're both um they're both excellent in their own right, doing different things in slightly different communities for sure. Um, but we're definitely drawing things. We we draw some stuff from from those schools as well. We have people coming, uh, you know, um, not, it's not just Wellington staff going from here to one of the international schools, but they come back the other way as well, and that that's good. Um, and as I guess the other um, interesting thing about it is because all of our schools tend to grow from the early years upwards, um, it takes a while for us to get any significant crossover of pupil demographic. So, you know, we, we only start at year nine. We're like most um, British boarding schools. We're year nine to year 13. And most of our schools, the vast, vast, vast majority, if not all of their students, are below the age of, of, of year nine. So um, we're only we're just beginning as we all come out of COVID to suddenly uh, the, the the picture for student collaboration is so much different um, than it was at the beginning of COVID. Um, yeah. So we've had our first exchanges this term, uh, last term, sorry, and then the others beginning this term. Uh, there are all sorts of plans that we're in, in it, we're currently putting together for all sorts of student um, uh, collaborations and participation on, on areas of joint interest. Yeah, that's interesting about um, about teachers coming back to the UK, or you know, not coming back, maybe coming for the first time, without telling on who they are, but and also the pupil side of things, which maybe we will touch on shortly. Um, Chris, a couple of things that have come up there. Is anything you want to add, particularly in terms of extra insights on those things? Just thinking about the collaboration and the idea that you know, whilst Wellington is at the centre, there's plenty to contribute from from the other schools around the world. I mean, uh, sort of an easy example of that is we partner with our local um, teaching school alliance uh, in Crowthorne, uh, Forest Learning Alliance, who, who are a great group. Uh, to offer the NPQs to our international schools. And so one of our facilitators is is the head in, in Bangkok. 
uh, and you know other facilitators from Crowthorne, but we have participants from Crowthorne. Uh, so you know Wellington teachers doing the NPQ facilitated by the head of Wellington Bangkok uh, is, a, is a sort of nice example of how that sort of all, all comes together. Um, and that's what we really want to achieve by, by all of the support and all the connections that, that the group grows stronger as a result of all of the different parts. The pupil side of it is obviously is a really nice thing to talk about as well, isn't it? It's all very well and good talking about the sort of the, the, the bigger context of schools and, and brands and so forth. But obviously for pupils, both in the UK and, and abroad, you know, there's benefits there as, as well. So again, how do you make the most of that? Because I mean, how do you make sure that you're it's it's really adding value to their education to what the, what you what you want to get out of it, rather than just oh we can do some things together because we can? Do you see what I mean? Like how do you make that really have the real benefit you want it to have? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. Um, you know, and I remember um, back in my, my own days at school, and this will resonate, I hope, with many listeners, but we were, we did, you did a modern language exchange. I, I did French and German at school, and, and on, in both languages, I did an exchange. And I was simply put, uh, partnered with somebody on the basis that we both happened to go to schools that were going, doing a German exchange or a French exchange. We didn't necessarily have anything that we shared in common. And I think the days of putting groups of kids together, um, purely on the basis that they happen to go to, to institutions that are partnered together doesn't really work. And what we try to do is bring them together over um, areas of shared interest. So uh, to give you an example of one of the things that's in planning at the moment is um, uh, for Easter next year, we're bringing together um, year nine students from all, of, all around the, the, the Wellington family to participate in, in these shared experiences that are based on uh, on interests that they all have. So um, we're going to be putting together. Uh, it'll be about a about a six day uh, experience, and they'll have a little bit of time to do some sightseeing at either end. They're going to board in in uh, our school in Nantom, which has got this amazing uh, boarding facility uh, that can accommodate all of them. Um, so there'll be areas of academic interest with some of the academic scholars and others who've got a really strong ac academic interest uh, coming together. Uh, some things in sport, in leadership and in the arts. So they've got areas of focus, if you like. So um, not, we're not just putting the kids together on the basis that you happen to be in the year, in year mm -hmm. nine, happen to be at Wellington School. They're doing something purposeful and, and which will have a good energy. Um, and, you know, on the, on the other side, um, one area where uh, for all of our partner schools, uh, all of our, our Wellington schools abroad, the, the students really do want, which is just about Wellington, not so much about shared interests, they, they, they want to come here they, mm. they want to experience what it's like to be here. Now, like many schools, we're completely full in term time. We don't have any boarding space. So um, what we, we put together um, was uh, this idea of distilling the Wellington experience into a two-week summer school. Um, and we ran this for the first time in 2019 uh, with the first groups of uh, year eight students who came through some of the China schools. Went amazingly. We all thought, this is brilliant. Isn't it wonderful? And then the world ended. And we had to cancel <laughs> it in, in, in 2020 and 21. And we even had to cancel it in 22 uh, for, for obvious reasons. But it, it is running again this year. We now, because all of those schools have grown, they've grown in size, but also grown in age profile, we've, we're going to have hundreds of, of uh, Wellington kids from all around the world coming to Wellington for two weeks in, in early July to experience, you know, Wellington lessons from Wellington teachers, Wellington co-curriculum, Wellington boarding, um, 
they'll they will mix with each other and also with uh year eight students from eagle house which is the wellington owned prep school just down the road uh, and some of our students will be helping on the summer school obviously they're older because we don't have year eights but um there'll, there'll be some year nines and year 12s from wellington uk who are helping on that so they'll the opportunity to, for them to be able to network with each other but also mm. with our kids who will be will be there so looking forward to to having them all back here yeah and i suppose does that does them coming over and, and like you sort of talked about having the wellington lessons of wellington teachers but they're obviously at wellington schools as well but presumably by that you mean a sort of even more of it and then they can go back and because your point earlier about you want someone to go to a school in another part of the world and feel like they're at wellington college presumably that must help because if they go to the school and see all this and they go back and say oh actually you know when we were at the the main college, they did it like this, and the teacher, oh, right. So, do you know what I mean, is that how it all works? It all kind of embeds together a bit more if you do that. Partly that, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's um, one, one, I suppose, interesting example of that is I, I sent uh, three members of Wellington UK staff uh, to Wellington, Bangkok in August for various bits of professional learning training. There were some bits to do with leadership, um, uh, senior leadership, middle leadership, and also Harkness teaching. Uh, and I, I, I do a load of other stuff myself, which maybe we'll talk about later, but. Each of those three people went to Wellington, Bangkok, and each of them said independently, oh, my God, this feels just like Wellington. Mm. And that, um, for me, that was quite affirming because uh, during COVID, I'm, uh, I was the only member of Wellington UK staff who'd, who'd actually been able to go there. So it's quite, quite affirming, quite useful that, yeah. that, that that did come back that way. Chris, coming, coming to you then. So I suppose we, I mentioned earlier about, you know, we know these sort of these partnerships, these license models, these groups are all growing is there anything anyone listening to this who's sort of in that setup or, or might move into it in the future or anything like that, with regards to this kind of partnership we like you know good advice or just ways of working that you think are important to get across because you're fairly new to the role aren't you so you probably learned a lot in the time you've been doing it and what, what things have struck you is like this this is a good model or this works well this is something that you, other people should be aware of maybe i think it, you're, you're right so i've only been in it a fairly short time just since september um i think it, it is that authentic sense of connection uh, the fact that colleagues do move between the schools uh, and draw all that best practice together. Uh, I think that's what makes uh, Wellington, you know, particularly distinctive. I think that, you know, Ian is talking to you today from Crowthorne uh, is is hugely valuable. And that sense of being able to, to talk to a senior member of, of the Wellington staff about any aspect of the international programme uh, is a really authentic link. Uh, and that can be to do with the curriculum. It can be to do with the golf program that, that it was also set up. Uh, and that that sense of coming back in in a genuine uh, way is is what makes it a little bit different. I think there are a couple of other bits as well that make it particularly exciting. Um, I think Ian will tell you a bit about the the festival of education in a moment. It, it runs just sort of uh, about the same time of the year as the summer school. So uh, Wellington in July is possibly even busier than a busy day on uh, a busy term. Um, yeah. Uh, and also uh, sort of the, the research side of the school that, that we're developing through uh, through the bridge, which, again, I'm sure you'll talk about in a moment. Um, I think those are the really key things. Uh, I think some school groups you know, are more interested in the name above the door. I think Wellington is more interested in what goes on inside it. Uh, and that, yeah. for me, is the, the really crucial aspect. Okay, interesting. Just going to add something to, to what Chris said, and, and, and I, I think that summary at the end of what he just said is, is, is really crucial. Um, but the um, just thinking about uh, some of the ways that, that, that this all manifests itself. So every uh, member of, of the teaching staff here, and indeed quite a few of the non-teaching staff, 
who have positions of, of responsibility, they're all connected to their equivalents in every Wellington school around the world. And many of those groups meet very regularly. So, for example, um, all of the university advisors in all the schools, they all meet uh, six times a year to share best practice. Um, and that group doesn't have to be chaired by someone from here. Be chaired by, uh, and in fact, has been at times chaired by uh, head of universities in, in Tianjin or in Shanghai. So it's not it's not just that it's centralised here and, and, and cascaded. There's a, a genuinely uh, mutually trusting, uh, deep level of professional respect for each other, that and and, and an openness and a willingness, yeah. to share, which I, I've found um, really, not lots of people have found that really helpful. Mm. And then the final practical question I want to ask before we come on to the festival education element is, is Ian, just earlier, you said you do 18 meetings every over a two-week period, which again is quite a lot, isn't it, to add into your diary? Again, so presumably though you would say that is sort of, if you're going to do this, you have to do something like that to stay, have that regular pulse and connection, I guess particularly over COVID times, but even more generally speaking, you've maintained it, I presume. Is that fair? Anyone listening think, you know, you've got to put the hours in to just chat to people and feel the pulse? Absolutely. And, and you know, it's... Um... Uh, because of the time difference to Asia, all of those meetings are early morning. Mm. Uh, so there isn't really any way around it. Um, well, what it what it can do is, is I mean, to say in, in some ways that's really helpful because you can get those meetings out of the way and still then do a, a mm. day's work here, um, which there's <laughs> a downside to that because, you, you you know, you're managing the times not, not not quite so so straightforward. But that you, you're absolutely right. You have to put in those hours because you have to be genuinely connected, not just say you are. Well, there you go. Anyone listening to that who's, who's thinking about something like this, is that's what you've got a, a reality you might have to embrace. But um, on, on the festival education, which you mentioned a couple of times, and I suspect people listening will unquestionably know that in the UK, but I understand, you know, that's now coming into some of these schools we're talking about in the other parts of the world, which again seems like, seems like a perfect distillation of what we're talking about here of something that starts at your school, they're going to do something similar, and you can support them in that. So again, tell us a bit about what's coming online at other schools and how have you supported them? And again, just like all the, all the good stuff around that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm uh, the festival of education here, as, as you say. Hopefully, many people have been to, and if, and if they haven't, I hope that they might be able to experience it sometime in the future. But it's it's two days here at Wellington in the summer uh, of the the richest, uh, most vibrant professional learning they could possibly have. There'll there'll be global leaders in in educational thinking. You know, we've had you know Dan Willingham and Doug Lamov and and people like that uh, speaking who are you know globally recognised. As much as we've had excellent classroom teachers from the local primary school who've just got something really useful to share. They maybe may have done a research project or they may have uh, done, they may be uh, disseminating or and dis, and discussing this details of their, uh, of, a, of a, an MSc or something like that. Um, but it's all done in a really festival feel. So it's not a conference. You know, we don't treat people from room to room to room uh, in that slightly anodyne way. This is, it, it's, it's a really fun you know, we have live music, deck chairs, hay bales, ice cream, um, that kind of thing. It's a, yeah. it's a and, and it's a wonderful celebration of all that's best in education. Um, we are big enough uh, that we can afford to, uh, and we really want to be um, uh, quite a balanced and broad view of, of the things that are going on in education. So we don't want to be espousing just one particular doctrine. Um, uh, we want that to be balanced, and indeed, some of the sessions, yeah, we'll have we'll have keynote speeches and we'll have single presenters. We also have pairs, we have panels, we have debates, and people can disagree on those things, um, and that's good too because it's it's all beginning beginning to open up the educational conversation. Um, 
So the idea that that is is a, a really key event in the education calendar, uh, we also want to make it as very much a service to the education community. So the idea is not to make a load of money from this. In fact, quite the opposite. You know, we give away uh, 2,000 free tickets to state schools every year, um, and uh, and we offer all further tickets at very big discounts. So we want that to be, you know, genuinely a service to the educational world. And in, in moving the education festival to, uh, or, or taking it and, and growing it in other parts of the world, we want the same philosophy to be there. So we had, uh, last year, we had 345 sessions here and um, over five and a half thousand people came through the gates for, the, for that. Uh, for that event. Um, it won't be quite so big in the other parts of the world, at least to start with. Mm. Um, going to do something a little bit smaller. It'll be the same principle, the same feel, the same ethos. Um, um, amazingly interesting speakers, um, some of whom, you know, as, as here, will be um, perhaps celebrities or public figures who've got something useful to say about some aspect of education. Now, a good example of that might be um, uh, Rory Bremner, who is actually an old Wellingtonian, um, and he's well known as a comedian and impersonator, uh, and very funny too. But also a real champion for uh, the support of of people with ADHD, and he's done a huge amount of very important work in that area. So yes, he's got something funny to say, and he'll he you know when he came here last in in person in in, in twenty nineteen, he was great on stage. He did it online in twenty twenty one. And and yeah, his Boris Johnson, mm. Trump, they yeah, all yeah. Trump, but, you know that's all great. Um, and he's got something useful to say as well. So mm. we don't want um, people who are just there for the for the stage. They've got to have something good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we're launching in Bangkok in uh, in November twenty uh, this year, twenty three, eighteenth uh, of November. Um, we are partnering uh, with our school in Shanghai to make Edfest in Shanghai. Um, a similar kind of event. Uh, we're also launching in Washington DC, which where, where, where we don't have a school actually, but we have a very, um, uh, very good partner school, St. Andrew's Episcopal School in Potomac in Maryland, where, where their commitment to professional learning and and and, and teacher efficacy uh, is, is extraordinary. And they've got a national reputation for such there. And they really align with us in so many ways. So we're going to launch the festival there uh, mm. as a service to the education community. Yeah, so it's really exciting times. Uh, we have plans for future festivals in various other important locations around the world, many of which will be where we have schools. So, for example, we will have Ed Edfest in India, mm. um, and so on. But um, yeah, really hoping to bring more good stuff to more teachers and more school leaders. Is yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And I think the idea of taking that as a global festival thing within your within your group sounds like a lot sounds like a lot of sense and like you say growing it from from a smaller base maybe as, a, as the main one but but you know anyways up right so that sounds really good and chris just a final sort of input from you on that again is that something that you've been talking about with other with leaders that you work with or, or again have you already heard from other schools already again saying oh yeah definitely sign us you know get us up on the the list for the the year after type situation yeah and well i mean ian is the driving force behind the, the festival of education around around the world really but when uh, when i was in bangkok uh, certainly the school in the Wellington School is very keen to do that, but we, Ian and I visited a, you know, another school. Ian went on to about another dozen after that just to, to get the sense of whether they would want to to be a part of that festival. And the, the, the feedback is overwhelmingly positive. Um, I mean, we, uh, 
Wellington have a new partner in, in Singapore, Indonesia and Malaysia and visiting other schools in that part of the world. Uh, certainly there was interest in, in EdFest uh, as much as there is in Wellington. Uh, and I think that sort of global reach of the festival uh, comes back to the, I mean, Wellington's purpose is, is articulated around pioneering education to help serve and shape a better world. Uh, and that's what we want to do, uh, whether that's on a school basis or the festival of education basis, uh, they all come back to that that purpose, really. I think that that's what binds it all together. Mm. Well, that sounds super interesting. I suspect a lot of people listening either, like I say, have been to a conference, will be inspired to go, whether that's whether in England or, or in other parts of the world. And yeah, like you say, if, if this continues to grow, maybe there'll be more opportunities for people in more parts of the world to attend it in the future. But but overall, I mean, a fascinating conversation on everything from the nuts and bolts of, you know, forming these kind of relationships and partnerships and how you make it work on CPD and well-being and renting out rooms, and, you know, real sort of, smorgasbord of things we've looked at on, on the school partnerships and so forth and then obviously the festival of education as well which sounds really interesting and i mean you know be really interested to get you guys back on in the future or, or write for us on the website about how that's all gone and you know what other people could learn from that so yeah really thank you so much for sharing your insights and i'm sure everyone listening has found that really enjoyable oh thank you very much indeed for having us it's been uh, been great to chat thanks very much 